0: When we're connected to God and we have fellowship with God, that our lives are different. And, and he said that we aren't the same person, that there's a change that happens within us. Um, he explained it and he talked about this in Philippians chapter 2. And I, I wanted to be able to, to read this to you today. And you can turn to Philippians chapter 2 if you'd like. Um, Philippians chapter two verses five through eleven, because this is <clears throat> this is really the the a main passage of scripture in reference to talking about um, the difference between essence and, and excess. This is what Paul said when he when he talks about because it's easy for us to look at other people as our example, but Paul said, listen, don't look at others, but he said, I want you to use Jesus as your example. And this is how he said that Jesus himself lived. Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11, he said, You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Verse 7, Instead he gave up his divine privileges, he took the humble position of a slave, and was born as a human being when he appeared in human form. He humbled himself in obedience to God and he died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore God elevated him to a place of the highest honor and gave him a name above all names that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and that every tongue declare that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And Paul gives us a picture here of Jesus being poured out or Jesus being emptied out. God in the flesh came to earth. Specifically, God had a plan to fulfill God's plan of salvation for all people. Jesus came in the flesh. He just didn't have the appearance of man, but he took on the flesh so that he could identify with our sins. And he willingly set aside his divine rights and privileges. And I want you to hear this. He willingly set aside his divine rights and his privileges out of his love for his Father as well as his love for us. This is what John fifteen thirteen says, and you've heard this verse before, that no greater love is man than this than to lay down his life for his friends. And that's exactly what Jesus would do. That Jesus didn't give out of the excess, but he gave out of the essence of who he was. He gave his life. How many of us would be willing to give our lives for another person? Jesus fully gave himself to the world, but not only did he fully give himself to the world, he fully gave himself for the world. I wrote this down because I think this is very... uh, um, I think this is very important for us to hear this. The natural man protects himself. He guards himself. He watches after himself. He promotes himself. But only a man living in the power, under the power of the Holy Spirit can be prompted to give of ourselves. Does that make sense? The natural man says it's all about me. A man prompted another, the Holy Spirit says, you know, it's not about me. It's not about me. I'm not in the place of first position. The pinnacle of true leadership isn't just working our way up the ladder so that we can make it to a place of leadership so that others can serve us. But it's when we get to that place of leadership, whatever it may be, it's using that power and authority to serve other people. It's about helping others to become all that they have been designed to be by their creator. And you know what happens when we give of ourselves and we, we, we serve others as God has called us to serve? When we help others become who God has called them to be, designed them to be, what happens inside of us is that we're living on mission and there's a sense of purpose and when we're living on that, that mission and that sense of purpose, there is a sense of satisfaction that comes to our lives. And so here's a question for you today. In reference to Frank, why do you think that Frank resigned his position as CEO? Why do you think Frank resigned? I mean, did he have to resign? No. No. He didn't have to resign. But why do you think Frank resigned? What'd you say, Kathy? He, there was a sense of unfulfillment in his life. The money didn't, didn't, didn't mean as much as at one time it did. Okay. What'd you say? There was, there was a calling in his life? Okay, that's good. What do you, what's another reason? Maybe... That What do you think that would prompt the move that Frank was making? Because this is a pretty good-sized move, guys, to go from a CEO of a company to go down to director of a community uh, ministry and mentoring kids. What do you think would prompt that type of a move? Jesus? The Holy Spirit. What was really happening in Frank's life? That's the big question. What's really happening in Frank's life? Because in a logical perspective, I mean, we look at him, we go, what? He's out of his mind. True? What would prompt him? There was a shift that was taking place in his life. There was something that was going on in his life. He was going, okay, it's not my agenda anymore. I've been sort of focused on my agenda. But there was something that was taking place where he was saying, God... There's something greater. Now, look, I'm not telling you guys to go out and resign your positions to take over the mentoring position in the community program today, okay? That's not what this is all about at all. But there was something that was happening in Frank's life. What'd you say? Caterpillar to a butterfly. butterfly. There was a transition. There was a transformation that that was taking place. He was putting others before himself. There was a relationship that he had begun to build with some other kids that were there as well, wasn't there? I mean, we've seen that over the past couple of weeks if if you've been a part. There was a little letter that he got today, a card, you know, the little kid had made him. I think this is another thing, too, that as we give ourselves to Christ, as we make that decision to trust Christ, what happens is there becomes less of us and more of him. Can you hang with me on this just for a second? As we empty ourselves out of the flesh and we become filled with Christ, when, when we give of ourselves, what pours out? Christ pours out. And when Christ pours out, whose lives are impacted? Other people around us are impacted. So you've got this issue of the essence of becoming more like Christ. You're, you're, you're emptying yourself and saying, "Jesus, fill me up." You know, fill me up. There, was, what's the old song? Fill my cup, Lord, fill it up. Come and quench this thirsting of my. Somebody would have sing that. <clears throat> you know, and, and and so all of a sudden, I mean. Frank is getting filled up. And because Frank is getting filled up, the essence of who he is in Christ is now beginning to spill out. And because of who he is in Christ is beginning to spill out, others' lives are beginning to be impacted. Are you with me? Are we on the same page? Question for you, whose life is being impacted because of Christ pouring out of you? That just got nasty, didn't it? Because that's a whole lot different than to come into church on Sunday morning or going to another Bible study. Whose life in Christ has been impacted? Whose life is being impacted because Christ is pouring out of you? The essence of who you are, Christ in you, is being poured out. And because Christ is being poured out, others, others, the lives of others are being impacted. That's a big deal. Pastor Ted, that's a big deal. Here's Cassie asking Frank the question Do you still feel good about the decision? Do you remember when she sat down and she said, Frank, here he is sitting in the chair. Do you still feel good about the decision? I mean, here they are. I mean, the guy's sitting in a nice chair. Don't you think so? That's a pretty nice chair. He's got a nice pen and a nice pad. He's writing down some stuff on. Here's a thought. What are some of the tensions and struggles that you, th- that you think that they may have been experiencing getting to that place? What are some of the tensions or that he might have been wrestling with in making the decision to not just give of the excess, but to give of their essence of themselves? What are some of the struggles? What are they? We're not talking about giving them out the excess the more than we need. But what are some of the struggles in giving of the, ex- the excess? Up the giving up the lifestyle. What else? Right Is this the right decision? Is this an emotional decision? Is God involved in the midst of all of this? What happens if I can't pay my bills? What's this really going to cost me? What's it going to look like a year down the line? You know, I have to think, did he have any money in savings just in case? Security. What about the vacations and what about the cars and what about the the gated community? Pride. Frank had made some references to money he was able to give over the years uh, to the center, and, f- and what was it that Frank said that he realized? He said that regardless of how much money that he, had, that he had given, he realized that he had always given out of the what? Excess. How did we define excess? More than what I need. More than what I need. How many of us in this room have more than what we need? Every one of us in this room. Every one of us in this room. There may be those of us that have less, but every one of us in this room have more than what we need. You've got clothes on your back. Probably most of every one of us in this room had something for breakfast this morning. You've not done without, you've not maybe had what you wanted, but you, every one of us in this room that's under the sound of my voice has probably, you don't know what it's like. You don't know what it's like not to, not to have He realized that regardless of how much money that he made, he gave out of the excess. And he explained that as long as he had everything that he needed, he didn't mind sharing the leftovers with others. And then he said this, he learned that true generosity um, is really about sharing the essence, not the excess. The essence is who we are in our intrinsic nature. And he said this, Taking everything that I am and everything worth sharing and giving it away. That means taking everything that I am, everything worth sharing and giving it away. And then Frank shared a Bible verse in reference to the volunteers that were there. And he said it was an important Bible verse that he felt like was important to all of them. And it came out of Matthew, Matthew chapter 22. And it was a, a verse in reference to the greatest commandment to love the Lord God with all your heart, your soul, your mind and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. And I want you to think about that just for a second. Because it's easy to love people who love you back. It's easy to love people who are lovable. It's easy to love people who um, can give you something in return. There are people that it's easy to love. How many of us love people that don't have anything to give us in return? Or that are unlovable? Unlovable? are that are incapable of loving us back. Can we pour ourselves out to those who can't give us anything in return? Can we love those who may not love us in return yet? That was exactly what Jesus himself did, that he demonstrated his love and that while we were still sinners, knowing, knowing. (laughs) Listen, I don't mind giving as long as you give back. Are you with me? I mean, I don't mind helping as long as you help, but you better help. You better do your part. I don't mind loving as long as you love me back, but listen, don't you dare do me wrong. But God's promise of salvation was to everyone, available to everyone who was willing to believe. That was that seed. Now if you've been here, you've know that Ray was, had been estranged from his daughter for quite some time because of some, some events in life that he went through. We see here the reconciliation of the relationship, but up until this time, Ray was, was not willing to meet with her. So here's a big question for you What was it that led to the reconciliation of the relationship? What was it that led to the reconciliation of the relationship between Ray and Naomi? What was it? The daughter was desiring a relationship. I want you to think of it in reference of excess and essence. So the daughter was seeking out that relationship, but remember, she got up and left A few weeks ago, out of a place when she saw Ray for the first time, she was angry. Ray didn't feel like he was worthy enough because he had given her away. He had let her go as a a young child because he felt like he couldn't care for her. And so all these years, Ray had been estranged from her. But what was it that led to the reconciliation in that relationship So he had, he had written all those letters, and I want you to see how God used Cassie in the middle of all that. Cassie had given of herself to spend the time that she had to put together all those letters that God would use her. But talk to me, think about it for a second. You've got to think about it. Think about it. Go a little bit deeper than that. What was it that led to the reconciliation of the relationship? He made himself available. Made himself available. I mean, he could have had a hard heart. He could have just said basically, listen, there's just no chance. There's no use. I mean, Naomi could have walked away with a hard heart and said, listen, I don't want anything to do with you. But for reconciliation to take place, what had to happen? When you think of it in reference to essence, yes. He forgave himself. Acknowledgement. An acknowledgment of sin, an acknowledgment of wrong, a confession, forgiveness. I wasn't here last week when you guys went through capacity, and some of you may have missed that also, but inside of that, there was a young boy that came in the midst of the store when Ray was in the store, and there was a boy that came to to Ray, and his mother prompted him, I want you to tell Mr. Ray... I want you to tell Mr. Ray um, what you learned in seed time. Seed time is this, this, uh, this little um, time that they would have when Ray would teach them spiritual truths. And so this little boy had been participating in this time where Ray was teaching them spiritual truths. Remember, for those of you that have been here, some of you may not know this, Ray was a pastor. Ray was a former pastor whose wife had died and he became an alcoholic and ended up losing everything that he had. Um, so here is Ray down at the bottom of the pit. Ray knew the word. Ray knew the word. He knew the truths of the Lord. So now Ray is working his way back up the ladder in reconciliation in his own life and forgiveness in his own life. And so now Ray is beginning to teach children the truths of the Lord from the Scriptures. Here Ray is in conflict in his own life with his daughter. And I don't want you to think about this. This young boy walks in, and his mom prompts him, I want you to tell Mr. Ray, tell Mr. Ray what you learned. And he goes back and he says that, and I've got it written down in here because this was so, so important, that even if I break my promises, God still loves me no matter what because he is my father. And she goes on to explain something to Ray. And she said, I want you to understand why this is so important to him because his earthly father hasn't been a promise keeper. And you know what Ray said? Sometimes we as fathers aren't good at that. Here's Ray, a man who knows the word... Here's Ray, a man who's preached the word. Here's Ray, a man who has taught this young, young boy the truths of the, of, the, of the word. Here's Ray walking through this, this issue in his own life, and God prompts the, the, a young boy and his mother in a teaching time to teach Ray something about the word. Are you with me? And so it was that little, it was that little instance that prompted to Ray to go back and say, I'm teaching it, but I sure ain't living it out. Anybody ever taught something, shared a verse of Scripture, but have not been living it out? Hello? Everybody better raise their hand. Or you've, or you've taught something, you've spoke something, or you've shared something, and it wasn't until later in life that something happened in your life, and you're like going, oh my goodness gracious, Here's a real-life story where I'm, this is applicable in my, in my life. And all of a sudden, man, this is hitting me right between the eyes. And so the rec- reconciliation to me was, was Ray saying, God, man, listen, I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. I confess my sin before you. I, I humble myself. God, use me in whatever way that you want to. I pour myself out. I want to empty myself out. I acknowledge my sin. But see, Naomi still played a huge part because she didn't have to forgive him, did she? Naomi could have said, basically, I'm not going to forgive you. But that's not what she said. She forgave him. And what did she respond? All I've ever wanted was what? Was you. Was you. All I've ever wanted was you. Leading generously is giving of ourselves, not just what we have, but who we are, not just the excess, but the essence. Watch as we finish this little clip out.
1: I went from homeless and jobless to having a job, owning a company, and buying a home again. Frank went from a position of power at the top of the world to serving in a simple and unassuming way. On the surface, we seem to be headed in opposite directions, but both are stories of blessing and stewardship. It all comes down to this, wherever you're planted, be fruitful, give abundantly, serve selflessly, and help others discover the joy of doing the same. Whatever your sphere of authority, God wants you to show Christ-like leadership, a leadership of sacrifice and not showboating, of self-giving not self-serving. It comes back to Jesus. Philippians 2 tells us Jesus made himself nothing, poured himself out, emptied himself, and took on the form of a servant. That's the heart of leading generously. Jesus didn't have a platform, he had a cross. He humbled himself and God lifted him up. The entire journey we have taken can be summed up in this issue. Are you giving your excess, or are you giving your essence? Are you giving yourself to others as Christ did? Christ himself is the seed God planted within you. He's the source of life, the wellspring of every blessing. When you believe in the seed, believe in God's promises, you're trusting that God will complete the work he began in you, bringing Christ to life within you making you more and more in his likeness. We can be the gardeners of those seeds and others, fertilizing the soil, creating the conditions for growth, helping them grow and bear fruit. Give your good sheep, invite the needy to your table, believe in the seed, do these things and watch what happens. Then join me at the harvest and we can enjoy together the life that is truly life.
0: We have used a focal passage throughout this series and I want to turn your attention to it. Philippians chapter 3, verses 7. And I'm going to add some passages to it today as we begin to close out, head towards the Lord's Supper. This is what Paul said. He said, I once thought these things were valuable. I thought I was something I had done something special. I was good enough. I was qualified enough. I was smart enough. I was from the right family. He said, but now, but now I consider it worthless because of what Christ has done for me. What Christ has done for me. Everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus as my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all garbage so that I could gain Christ. And in verse 9, and become one with him, I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. There's no other foundation laid than that which is Jesus Christ. For by grace are we saved through faith and nothing else, nothing else. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. Forsaking all, I trust him. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. And I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another I will experience the resurrection from the dead. And I think there's no greater way, no better way to summarize that ending than to say it through what Galatians uh, has to say when it says this, I'm crucified with Christ. Therefore, I no longer live, but Christ Jesus lives in me. The life I live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You want to talk about essence? That's it. That's it. The life I live, I live by faith. I am crucified with Christ. Therefore, I no longer live, but Christ Jesus lives within me. And as I go about, as I'm being poured out, Christ is being poured out into the lives of others. Do you know him? Do you know him? Do you have a relationship with him? Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? If you were to die today, do you know without a shadow of a doubt where you'd spend eternity? Could you say confidently today, Sid, I know that without a shadow of a doubt today that I would spend eternity in, in heaven because I've trusted Christ. Maybe you're here today and you can't say that. Maybe you don't know the answer to that question. Maybe today you would like to be able to make that decision. I'd love to be able to give you an opportunity to make that decision right there where you are. Would you bow your heads with me? Right where you're seated, and we we talk about trusting Christ following Him. There's some of you that are wrestling because you've never made that decision to, to put Jesus on the throne of your life. But today, if you're here and, and you, you feel that wrestling and that tension inside of you and, and today you know without a shadow of a doubt that you just, man, if you were to die today that you wouldn't spend eternity in heaven because you've not trusted Jesus. But today you'd love to be able to make that decision to follow Him. You can make that decision right there where you sit. By confessing your sins, the Bible says that if we confess our sins, that He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. The scripture teaches us that all of us are sinners, that all of us in this room, all of us on this planet are earth are sinners. And the wages of sin is Death the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. Scripture teaches us that if we confess with our mouth and believe in our hearts that Christ is God has raised him from the dead then we will be saved. And that opportunity to receive Christ and to trust him is available to all that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That it's not by works, it's not by our might but it's only through faith in Jesus Christ that saves us. And today if you want to trust him Right there where you are, you can say, Jesus, I just want to follow you. I want to trust you. I want to put my faith and I want to put my trust in you. Just pray to him and say, Father, I just want to confess my sins and I've made a mess of my life. But today, Jesus, I want to, I want to call out on you, and I want to believe. I believe that you died on a cross for me, and today I want to trust you, and I want to live for you. And I don't understand it all, but there's something that's just going on inside of me, and I want to give my life to you. I don't want to live this way any longer. And if that's you today, the most important decision you've ever made is asking Jesus to be Lord of your life. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you today, And you're here and you're just saying, I want to follow Jesus. and I want to trust him. Would you just let me know that? I'm not going to call you out or anything. Just raise your hand just to let me know. Just just raise your hand right there where you are. Anybody just to say, "I, I want to follow Jesus. Anybody. Anybody else. Father, thank you for the sweetness of our time and for those that have raised their hands. Father, there may be others here that have made that decision to follow Jesus but have never followed through in baptism. Father, even today, I pray that you'd prompt them to, to come after the service to say, um, you know, I've made that decision to trust Jesus but I've never been baptized publicly. Today, I want to I make that commitment. I want to follow through on that. Father, thank you for the word and for the difference that it makes. Thank you for this series that we've walked through over the past several years. Now as we get ready to prepare and go into the Lord's Supper, may this even be a very significant time for us as we remember your death, the cross, crucifixion.